and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode. Uh, this evening, which this evening, we normally do it in the morning, but this evening we have squeezed in uh, the lovely Caroline. Hi Caroline. Hello. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> and Caroline is here from Horse India um, and going to talk to us about riding in India and what it entails and some things that she's really passionate about and some of the charity stuff that she does and loads of different amazing things. So Caroline, tell us a little bit about you and about how on earth you got into riding horses in India because that's a bit weird, isn't it? It is a bit of an unusual one, isn't it? Um, I've had horses um, for 30 plus years here in the UK um, and I was self-employed and I was like an animal aunt um, where I would go in and look after other people's animals, especially horses, obviously, uh, while they were on holiday. And I was doing that for 10 years. Um, and then my parents very kindly um, gave my brother a little present for his newborn. And so they thought they better do something for me. And I realized I hadn't had a holiday for 10 years. So um, weirdly enough, I've always had horses here. So it didn't occur to me to go and ride other people's somewhere else. However, uh, having organized a local horse show and gained some sponsorship from a riding holiday company, um, I was then on their mailing list and every year used to flop through the door um, these wonderful riding holidays, but none of them appealed until one day I flicked through it and on the front cover it also said new this year Marwari horses in Rajasthan, India. And that just suddenly attracted my attention. There were these very majestic, um, mysterious, very lithe uh, desert horses um, and all that conjures up with India, Maharajas and Rajasthan and they had these unique curly touching ears and I thought well if I'm gonna go anywhere that's where I'm gonna go. <laughs> so I went on my first riding holiday in 2004 and that was with the secretary of the Indigenous Horse Society of India who was running the tour and um, you know, we got talking and I said, why don't people know about these horses and these breeds? And he said, well, nobody's sort of publicizing it much. Um, and so he asked me to start the UK chapter, um, which I thought about for about 18 months and worked out, do I want to get involved in this? What can I bring to it? How will we tackle it? Um, and uh, the important thing is there are no Malwari horses in the UK. Um, there's been a restricted um, export for them since the year 2000. So there's only about a dozen in America privately owned and those have bred and they are now, some of their offspring are in Europe, but again with private owners. Um, so if you want to ride a Marwari, you have to go to Rajasthan um, in India, northern India, and um, ride them in their homeland. Um, as I said, they're desert horses. Um, they're hot-blooded, uh, slab-sided, so perfect for safari or endurance. Um, 
and uh, their, their area is between Udaipur and Jodhpur, so their name is from taken from their district, which is Mawa. Um, so Mawari come from Mawa in Rajasthan. And uh, I went, I had a lovely time, I rode 300 kilometers um, to the Pushka Fair, which is a huge camel fair, very biblical, now getting a little touristy. Um, and uh, that was it. I was hooked. And when I came home, everyone said, well, where else are you going to go now, riding on holiday? Are you going to try New Zealand? Are you going to go to Wyoming? And I said, no, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> and they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, there's so much to do with the breed. I was fascinated by the breed. And, um, you know, they, the, the whole the breed actually um, is intrinsic to the, the whole traditions of India and Rajasthan in their mythology. Uh, they feature in the Ramayana and the, the Mahabharata, all the stories that come from the gods and everything. And, and, and so that there's so much more than just a horse. Um, they, are, they are intrinsic to the culture and the traditions. And that's what I think hooked me um, more so than any other breed. Um, if I describe them roughly, they're sort of between 15, 16 hands. Um, as I said, they're desert horses, so they're not uh, barreled or, or um, fat. <laughs> um, they're what we call slab-sided. Um, they can sometimes, they take very naturally um, to uh, another gate, a bit like the tolt in the Icelandic horse. It's sort of like a four-beat trot. And in India, we call that raval. Um, and so you can do that as well. But um, they're, in history terms, the Rajput warriors, uh, they were the horse of choice, A, because they were local to the area, but B, they could cope with the conditions, um, minus five in the desert at night in the winter, all the way up to over 40 degrees in the summer in the heat. Um, they can almost live off nothing. Um, because the desert doesn't have lovely green fields like we have over here. And uh, so they're, they're great for war horses because they, they have a spirit that I haven't found in other breeds. Um, they, if I was going to go into battle and uh, have a, face a barrage of, of arrows, uh, coming at me, I'd want to be riding a Mawari horse because I think any other breed would say I'm out of here. <laughs> um, they they are a true friend. Once you get to know them, they are your loyal beyond belief. And I think in a way that can be their downfall um, because they would jump off a cliff for you. So um, it's up to us to restrict and and train and and uh, use them wisely um and uh, so yeah so i went on a riding holiday and that's how i got hooked <laughs> amazing isn't it funny how sometimes something just pops pops onto our lap and we think oh that's different and then it guides us on a path that exactly. we never, I never thought. Would have thought of it I never would have thought of it. And I was happy doing riding club stuff with my own horses. And, and you know, the, it wasn't, it was just a holiday. But, oh boy, something clicked. <laughs> yeah, definitely did. And so I've known about this for a few years now. Obviously, I heard of it through you. But I've never actually gone and done one myself. 
because I always thought, oh gosh, you know, look at them galloping through the desert. I'm, I can't do that. I'm not, not a good enough rider. Um, but actually, I have to say, I'm at the point now where I think, yeah, that's fine. I could go and do that. That would be brilliant. And having heard so much over the years from you about these horses and how incredible they are and the things you get to go and do out there. So tell us a little bit about anyone who's kind of thinking, God, that sounds amazing, especially at the moment. Like the moment we can go abroad, I am gone. <laughs> I'm not going back. I know, I know. And, and it's the first time in 15 years that I've I've not gone out to India. I went out, my last trip was January. This time, well, January, I came back early February um, to 2020. So it's been a, a whole year now that I haven't been out there. And normally I would be going four times a year uh, to lead the rides. Um, obviously, none of the rides happened after lockdown. Um, and we're hopeful that they might start up again at the end of this year and certainly for 2022. Um, but to, to come and ride on, on, on the safaris, I was just an average rider. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge competitor or anything. I've done a bit. I, I can have had a go at most things in my 30 years plus of having horses here in the UK. Um, but I wouldn't have said I was particularly accomplished at much. <laughs> um, but I can sit on a horse <laughs> and I can sit quietly as well. And um, I can also take instruction. And I think that's the important thing. If you go on any riding holiday, um, it's your holiday, so I would always say, don't big yourself up on on the the form uh, when you you do your booking. You know, tell the truth, be honest. You you don't you're not there to school somebody else's horses. You're there for a holiday. You want the the one that's you want a ride that's going to give you a, a, a happy ride and a happy experience. Um, and a horse, you want a horse where you can take the camera out of your saddlebag without it freaking out. Um, so I would always say that. Um, and also have trust in the horses where, wherever you ride. Um, our horses know the job. Um, they're not plods by any means. They'll walk happily all day if that's what you want in the heat. But similarly, if we see a chinkara gazelle herd or, or see a blue bull antelope and we want to go and, and investigate and maybe he takes off uh, frightened from us and we decide to chase him for a bit of fun, um, you know, you, you, you've got to trust that the horses, they know their job. And so you, you just guide them and, and, and we, have, we have hilarious fun. And that's what I quite like is that so many rules here in the UK um, and, and there's practically no rules in India. <laughs> so it's a bit of a sort of <laughs> a bit best of both worlds. Somewhere in the middle would be good. <laughs> and that's what I try and bring to our safaris. I keep that fun of when you were a kid and you jumped on a pony, maybe just with a head collar bareback, and you galloped off down the paddock and suddenly realized you had no brakes. Um, I want to have that, it's good to have a little bit of pushing yourself, um, to push your, your, your comfort zone, but only so much that you're still comfortable afterwards and that you were happy that you had gone further than you thought you would um, with that experience. Um, and, and as I say, have trust in, in any riding holidays, horses. Be honest, um, be open. Don't try and school the horses. Uh, that's not what they're there for. They're there to give you a combined holiday and an experience. So that, that would be my best advice is you don't have to be a Grand Prix rider, but I would say be a versatile rider, someone who's ridden 
lots of different shapes and sizes of horse that will they'll, that's as, as an outfitter that's what i prefer to have as a as a, a, a guest is someone who's versatile and who can adapt rather than someone who's, who's only ever ridden their horse in their saddle in their arena and in the show and things like that that that's a nightmare because they don't know how to handle it so mm. it's best to to just be um, an adapt versatile rider that just sits there quietly and works out which buttons to push <laughs> awesome so i want to hear what you actually what you do what so if you were to go on a safari what types of things would you expect to see and do well in for horse india we've got um the desert dunes which is the great tar desert uh we've also got the palace to palace um so as the name says we use lovely old heritage palaces and you're going through farmland um and down through through the hills of the Aravalli hills uh from a fort kumbulgar fort down down through to the plains and then you've also got the leopard trail and yes Rajasthan, we not only have tigers in Ranthambore, but we have leopards and they're free roaming. And uh, where the horses are stabled is prime leopard country. Um, so we have to be careful with the horses out in the paddocks and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we go and ride all the way to Juai Dam and you're going over dry riverbeds. So sometimes they're stony um, or, the, or depending on the time of year after monsoon, you could be crossing the rivers. Um, but then you're in sort of a sort of um, uh, acacia scrub forest as well, and you're riding down through the, through the hills of the old on old elephant tracks from the forts. So there's lots to see. There's lots of farmland, lots of villages to pass through. Um, in the desert, yes, we've got sand dunes, <laughs> and uh, we have great fun with those. And uh, they're quite difficult to ride in. Actually, you can't go fast in in uh, Rajasthan sand. It's very very fine, um, and uh, you you can happily uh, sort of plow into your horse. Can't get its legs out in time, so we have to be careful which sand dunes we ride. Um, but yes, you'll visit the blue city of Jodhpur where the Jodhpurs came from. The Maharaja of Jodhpur's riding trousers are named after his town, which is Jodhpur. And the huge Marangar Fort, which is just stunning. Um, and you also go to the lake city of Udaipur, which was used in the James Bond film Octopussy. So anyone who's seen that might remember seeing a lady coming out of a lake by a white palace. Um, and uh, and we go to the Pushka Fair and the Balotra Horse Fair. So lots of rural horse fairs. The Balotra one is amazing and it's my favorite. Um, it's truly biblical and people come from three districts. So you've got Gujarat, Rajasthan and Maharashtra and they congregate um, in this natural amphitheater of a dried up Looney River and um it's it's just like going back in time and it's fantastic because that's where you see the true mawaris um and, and not only the horses but also the mawari people 
um, and uh, there's lots of trading going on and lots of people being paid, local riders paid to run up and down riding the horses um, for, for, uh, to, to exhibit them so that they'll get a good price. Um, so there's lots of haggling going on and we'll sit in a tent with a local uh, horse trader and, and drink sweet chai, uh, hot spicy tea, um you know and, and discuss horses and things like that so uh oh gosh there's so much we do sometimes we'll stop off um we'll camp by a lake and our tents are huge uh they're all put up for you i know a lot of people say that i don't do camping but you will if you come with us because you have real beds and the tents are 14 foot square they're huge. They're decorated inside like a palace. They have ensuite bathrooms. Uh, as I say, you don't have to put the tent up or take it down. <laughs> it comes all with the linen and hot bucket showers, um, proper porcelain toilets that go plumbed outside. And uh, yeah, so it's not glamping, but it's it's not camping as I used to know it. <laughs> uh, and so yes, and and so we'll camp by a river or we'll camp on top of a sand dune and we'll have a camel herder uh, bringing his, his young baby camels to us. Um, and we'll all, you know, sort of maybe hitch a ride on the mum first thing before breakfast, just to have a, a quick view along the top of the desert sand dune. Um, gosh, there's lots. We see the demoiselle cranes at Kichan. They come over from Russia on their migratory route and there's 20,000 birds and they've got about two to three meter wingspan and they come into this village where they feed them and it's an awesome sight uh not if you don't like birds of course but <laughs> you're on a roof terrace and 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 they're sweeping above your head uh coming in in uh, sort of squadrons so that's pretty awesome to see and then you've got things like the pushka camel fair where there's lots of camels obviously that have made their way uh, over over Rajasthan to congregate and again all for trading um, Pushkar itself is a holy city they've got the holy lake there the only Brahma temple in India we include a lot of the locals on our rides we include we, we, we don't do air-conditioned coaches we don't go to the golden triangle we ride the bit in the middle the bit that the, your average uh, coach tourist wouldn't get to see um we'll stop and have lunch at a farmer's village and be invited in and have lots of selfies with the seven million grandchildren <laughs> you know um there, there's lots of getting lost which is fun um there's lots of chasing wildlife though we're not allowed to hunt in india um and uh yeah we we just have a lot of fun we do chapati making competitions with the camp staff uh chapati eating competitions uh with the camp staff which is quite fun uh we'll have turban tying uh demonstrations and but it's all very relaxed it's not forced it's not like on tuesday we do this and the horses don't always ride this route on a certain time so most of our routes we only ride once or twice a year so for our horses when they're not on safari, we've got about 50 horses, 50 Mawari, we breed them as well. And um, when they're not on safari, uh, we've got uh, them farmed out to a number of private schools. 
where the children can learn horse riding, um, extracurricular activities. So the horses, if they've got a bit fresh on a couple of safaris, we'll send them back to school. <laughs> and then when they're not doing that, um, they'll also do weddings. And in India, every day is wedding day. Um, a groom must arrive to his wedding on a white Mawari or a, a horse, certainly a Mawari horse. And they're heavily decorated with lots of velvet saddle cloths and uh, lots of bells and dancing and bands and fireworks and camels and elephants. And so our horses can put up with that. They can put up with you guys on safari. Um, and they're fantastic because for them, when they're on a safari with us, uh, you know, they're riding in a herd. They're back to as they, you know, sort of we camp. Uh, on and on every night it's point to point safaris so every night is different and your luggage goes on ahead and we have our as I said our own camp kitchen and chef so if anyone's got any allergies or or doesn't like onions or wants a paleo diet or anything like that we can cater for that um, and uh, we slowly increase the spice level uh, of the food because we're very aware that not everybody can cope with it all the time so during the early days of the safari, it's very easy. And we always have um, uh, a choice of Western foods available like pasta or something really, um, you know, egg uh, or, or something that, that you can uh, have that's a little more subtle. Um, but we, we very rarely have problems. In fact, we've never had problems because of the food in India. It's usually the heat that makes people ill and so we're very conscious of um, people wearing longer sleeve clothes uh, shirts and things um, the sun out there is incredibly uh, severe so we cover up and uh, you know we, we're just very mindful um, we don't mind if people want to stop on safari for a loo break because that means that you're drinking enough water that it's going through. So that's a good thing for us. Um, we also at lunchtime in the hotter months, uh, we, we make people, we have a rehydration drink, a local drink, which is a mixture of freshly squeezed lemon and lime, and then sugar and salt and some mineral water. And sometimes we can, people will have seven or eight glasses of that before lunch. Um, and everyone's worried about going to the loo, but because it's a dry heat in the desert, you don't realize you're sweating. Um, so I'm very aware when I ride up and down the ride, who's gone quiet or who's getting tetchy? Because that usually means that a bit of heat stroke might be coming in. And so we need to manage that. Um, but on the whole, you know, we can have moments, lots of moments walking. It's not all galloping. You can't gallop for seven hours a day. We usually ride about three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. Sometimes the afternoon we'll stop off and uh, the grooms will take the horses on and we'll go off to a village where Ajit has some other horses taking part in a procession or a wedding and we'll all join in. <laughs> and you really are thrown in. Uh, the last one in January, we had 15 elephants, I think 35 camels, uh, we had, it was about a three kilometer procession and uh, we had bullock carts and it's very biblical, um, but everyone's so friendly. And that's the most important thing 
is you're made to feel welcome. You are welcome. Uh, you're as much as an attraction to the villagers as they are to you. <laughs> and if you're a photographer, oh my God, what a photographer's paradise. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, unfortunately, we can't we can't really see any pictures. But if people want to see it, they can have a look on your Facebook page or on oh, the website. Yeah. yeah, there's loads of beautiful photos. And, and actually, um, I've heard you talk about the fairs and things before when you had some pictures and mm -hmm. the colour of the tack and the, the way they decorate them is every possible colour of the rainbow. It's beautiful. It's unbelievable. I mean, you think we're into bling here. You haven't seen nothing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um you know, they, they hand make, uh, they hand weave the bridles or like they're like halters, like a show halter. Um, like the Welsh, when you're showing a Welsh, uh, you have a, a white, normally for them, uh, a white halter. But in, in Rajasthan, it will be fluorescent pink, lime green with a bit of orange and navy blue thrown in and lots of bells and a few tassels. <laughs> so, yeah, they like their bling. <laughs> And as for a wedding horse, my God, where's the horse? You can't see it. It's dressed up like a Christmas tree. So as I say, you can see that the horses just take all this. They, they, they have the most amazing character. But there again, in India, you've got to be to survive. You either, you know, that you, you, the horses won't survive if they can't cope with it. Um, and, and so they do, but they're not turned off by any means they're not docile they're not submissive they're not you know they're very much alert but they're they're compliant <laughs> sounds amazing that sounds sounds just what you want to have to go out and enjoy them and so what's happening at the moment then obviously you haven't been over to safari for a year and we don't know quite what's going to go on he's got 50 horses out there and things how, how does this how, what, yeah. what's the impact it, it's it's tough it's tough because as i say we're, when we're not on safari the horses are either at the schools and so they're closed um so they came home and uh they're either normally they would be out on processions or even film sets for bollywood movies and things um and of course that all stopped so suddenly ajit my partner he he had no income uh, and 50 horses to feed. And of course, it's not like England where you say, oh, well, chuck them out. It's the summer, stick them in the paddock. But, you know, this is desert. <laughs> there is no grass. So we have to buy in uh, alfalfa, chickpea, sweet corn, carrots, uh, you know, um, ground nut. Everything has to be bought in uh, from other parts of India where they can grow it. So that costs money. So I started a fundraiser in September um, and it's on GoFundMe. If you type in GoFundMe Horse India, you'll, you'll, you should find it. Um, and, uh, and we've raised about £4,000 almost uh, so far. So I managed to pass over £1,000 a month since September to keep him going. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first few months it was, uh, oh, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll sort out. We'll be OK. We'll be OK. Um, and the monsoon rains came, so that was okay because some grass locally did grow. But we managed to secure um, initially a 60-acre uh, common grazing land. Um, so we just, you know, turned the horses out. And it's not like they're in paddocks or anything. They're free. 
but we had shepherds uh, guarding them uh, from the leopards as well as from people stealing them. Um, and then uh, they soon ate that within about, um, well, 50 horses on 100 acres of not very much. That didn't last very long. So we secured another 100 acres um, and they've just come back off that in January. So they're back at the farm. Um, so that held us at bay for a while, but honestly, you know, the GoFundMe page, any donations go directly to Ajit and the few staff. We've had to let a lot of staff go, um, but obviously with 50 horses and they're breeding as well. So you've got foals and mares in foal, um, uh, as well as, you know, some horses, they, they need, they, some horses just can't be turned away. They need exercise still. Um, so, so we're, we're trying to manage it as best we can. At the moment in India, they're on a further unlock process. They're further ahead than we are here in the UK. Um, they're allowed to have gatherings of up to 100 people, I think. So again, in India, weddings are normally thousands of people. So there's not much wedding work. Um, we've had one uh, Bollywood movie project that lasted a couple of weeks up at the farm uh, and they did a lot of filming in our area. So that kept us busy, but you know, they're not great payers. Um, and uh, it's a lot of hanging around for the horses as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully see some fruits from that. But uh, yeah, it's not looking great, to be honest. Our season is normally um, October to March. So like, the winter or the hunting season in the UK is our season for safaris in India. Um, so we're hoping by October this year, maybe, who knows? Um, and it's not so much even if India opens its borders, it's whether anyone's countries will let them go. I've got a Canadian group supposedly booked for this November. They were meant to come last November and obviously that didn't happen. So they bumped it to this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to come yet. Um, so if we lose another season, then, you know, it's going to be really desperate, to be honest. Um, the, as I say, India internally is, is a lot more unlocked than we are here. Um, but of course, there's not a huge uh, customer base there. Um, Indians generally only ride a Marwari horse on their wedding day if they're a bloke um, and maybe on the beach in Goa um, if they're a female and you know it's not something it's not in the culture for, for ladies to go riding um, and certainly you know the indigenous horses if, if the ladies are in the city if they're ladies who lunch or middle class from Mumbai then they'll want to ride a thoroughbred, um, an ex-racehorse or something in the equestrian clubs in the cities. So riding our native Mawari in the countryside, in the open, uh, where they're always used to riding in arenas is just not on, on their agenda and they certainly don't pay for it either. Uh, they want everything for free. So that's not a great income source. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah no i mean we've got the fundraiser and and we'll we'll hope and i've got lots of feelers out and lots of people hoping to come but i'm not taking bookings as such as yet um i'm putting people down on wait lists um and we'll wait and see <laughs> i think possibly even as late as august i'll be able to make yeah. a call um but yeah it's tough it's tough for everybody i understand that but when you've got mouths to feed 
you know, that that uh, that is tough. And I think the horses are our life. The the horses are Ajit's life. There is no other income source. No. And I think it's really interesting as well, though, that, you know, in the UK, we ride for leisure and pleasure. And and that actually it's it's uh, in India, there is a completely different mindset around horses, the way they're used in the culture of them, the things they do with them, the tack they ride them in. I mean, it is a very different thing. And, and actually, you were saying earlier, you really get to experience that. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that kind of culture and how it's different and things as well. Well, certainly um, in India, in the horse world, is very male-dominated. Uh, very, very rare where you find a lady past puberty riding a horse. Um, as children, they do. But as soon as the ladies hit puberty, then it's a no-no, generally. Um, there are a few breaking the mould now, which is lovely to see. Um, they do not have the competition structure or the riding school cut structure um that we have over here uh we're about 200 years advanced i guess um however you do see local farmers who will have one mare who will he will ride everywhere and they will be inseparable <laughs> and uh, he'll go off to the next village and see his mates and they'll go off for exploring or looking for something um and also he will take her to the local horse show maybe or um gymkhana or fair and every year and have her covered by another stallion bring her home feed her up and then he'll go back the next year with the mare and foal sell the foal cover the mare again and so it's a little income source and then of course you've got the new um, money coming into the horse world now in india um where the horse is a status symbol um, and that's very difficult because there's a lot of people out there with all the bling and all, all the gear and no idea. So um, I'm trying to educate through the Indigenous Horse Society of India. Um, we're doing training sessions about confirmation, breeding, how to ride, welfare of the horse. Um, and through that, uh, I started the BIT donation scheme and uh, through, I did start the UK chapter of the Indigenous Horse Society of India, and we call it Friends of Mawari Katiwari Horse UK. Katiwar are a slight, a, a very similar cousin to the Mawari, and they're from Katiwar region in Gujarat. Uh, and they also have the pointy curly touching ears. So um, they're very unique as well, uh, slightly smaller, at sort of 14 to 15 hands. So I promote those breeds. And of course, as I said before, there's none in the UK, very few in Europe. And so uh, I thought, what can we do? Most tourists go out there and at the hotel outside the door is someone standing with a Mawari horse or a Katiwari horse. And I looked and a lot of originally 15 years ago um, when I went on my first safari, I noticed the horses and the tack, uh, not great condition. The tack were, they were using thorn bits, which are very sharp homemade bits. Uh, saddles were okay, they were cavalry saddles. Um, so very comfortable. Um, uh, so when I started the UK chapter, um, I thought the best thing we can do, I looked around and there was the tack shops, if there were any at the rural fairs, they, they just had the same thorn bits. Um, these poor horses are bleeding from the mouth and, and they're so biddable and so easy to train. It, it was so unnecessary. Um, 
And so I started the Bit Donation Scheme. So if you Google Bit Donation Scheme, you will find Friends of Malwari. Um, and uh, you, the, we've got 60 collection points around the UK where you can donate your old pony bit. Uh, Malwari horses have very small mouths, so about five inches a bit um, will suit. And um, so you can donate them at saddlers or feed shops. And when they've got enough for a box full, they give me a call or an email and I send a courier. And I then sterilize all the bits, grade them, box them up. And next time I go to India, I go laden with bits. And obviously on our safaris, I always have some in my saddlebag. So if we're passing through a village and someone comes out very proudly with their new horse, we stop off and make admiring comments and give him advice and, uh, and, and donate some bits. And also we go around the horse fairs. Uh, a lot of our, uh, some of our rides uh, end at a horse fair. And so we'll spend an afternoon or a morning uh, going around the tents uh, and uh, educating and swapping and trying to take away the old thorn bit and um, and replace it with a lovely smooth snaffle egg butt or a fulmer. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that's our, our little bit for welfare is, is education with a smile. Uh, there's no point shouting at them when they have no alternative. So the best thing is to give them the alternative and then shout at them when they don't choose it. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we've got some nasty bits. The, the, mm. But I've now got all these safari agents to ride in smooth snaffles. Um, and Ajit and I, starting Horse India, um, we wanted to improve the guests' experience on safari in India. Just because it's India doesn't mean that you should have your reins held together with wire. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that your horse should be bleeding from the mouth um, and riding with the saddle with no flaps. Um, so, you know, we, we have, uh, uh, we've upped and increased our, our saddlery and tack and as well as the welfare of the horses, the condition of the horses. Uh, I insist on round bottoms um for the horses <laughs> and uh and they're all ridden in english uh bridles uh some will go bitless um most of them just go in a rubber snaffle uh, it shows they they can and they always did but i don't know why but that macho bravo look at me ego attitude uh meant they didn't want to waste time training the horse properly and so they just whacked in a horrible thorn bit um, and uh, by a thorn bit, I, I don't know, you can hear them possibly, but it's basically nuts and bolts, um, and uh, it's very sharp, and uh, it's not what you would like to be ridden in, um, and there's no need for it, more importantly. So, um, you know, we, we replace them with nice, uh, smooth snaffles, and, uh, and the horses go beautifully, um, and it's all education. So we do it with a smile, and it's been 10 years now, no, longer now, 2008, I think we started the bit scheme. We've given out over 3,000 donated bits um, in 14 different locations in five different districts of northern India. So we don't always frequent the same places. Uh, we like to spread ourselves around. And with our rides, um, you know, we have our set routes, but the end, the, each night camp point is the same, but every ride we get there a different way. So um, we're always going through different villages 
as I said, sometimes we'll only be going through that village once a year. Um, and most villages will have a local wedding horse, if not three or four. And so we'll stop off and uh, educate, check on their welfare, uh, give them some advice, donate a few bits and uh, hope that even if they pass the bits around, um, that it will end up in a horse's mouth at some point. And that horse, I mean, when, when I replace them at the fairs with the consent of the owner, um, you know, you can see the horse going, oh, my God, what are they going to put in my mouth now? Um, and then I put in, and I'd say, a smooth rubber snaffle or something, and they're like, oh, great, this is it. And the horse literally shrinks, you know. <laughs> so it relaxes and goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we've been doing that for a long time now, and we've got all the societies. There are a number of Mawari societies in India, and uh, they now uh, have it as a rule that any of their little horse shows, um, you know, the competitors must display their horse in a smooth bit so i'm um, um, we're trying <laughs> we're that's doing incredible. our best well, I, mean, I think that's absolutely incredible that you have managed to get that kind of change in a in a country where um so you were saying i mean there is a bit of bravado they want their horses yeah. to move on quicker but i remember you doing a talk once about um the fact that if you don't know something you don't know so if you've just if that's the way it's always been done and it's very much like that isn't it? it's very much passed down there is no yeah. education there is no bhs there's yeah. no education or anything so tell us more about the kind of the real educational element of what you do and why that is actually so important well like like i said most um if you've got a farmer who just has has their family have always had one horse usually a mawari or a katiwari um they sort of use the bridle like you would a universal dog lead that's hung up on the back of the door. And so they, they've never been, because granddad used that bridle, they're still using it. And the fact that granddad may have got, or great granddad may have got given or found an old cavalry bit that's designed for a massive you know, thoroughbred or a, or a hunter or even a cart horse, you know, and it's hanging heavily on the horses. It's the old um, cavalry universal um, reverse uh, curb. You know, these poor horses, how they're coping. But you see, th th no one's telling them that that's not correct because granddad had it and it's hung up in the shed and that's the horse's bridle. And they don't think, does it fit? So I go to the fairs and I have great fun, um, you know, explaining to these guys. I say, oh, right. Oh, if it fits, right. Um, I sort of say, well, we'll swap shoes then, you and me. And they'll say, oh, madam, that, that won't work. My shoes won't fit you. And I said, exactly. I said, that horse's bit won't fit this other horse. You know, you have to, it has to fit. Otherwise, it's uncomfortable, just like the wrong pair of shoes. Um, and they've never thought about it. So in 15 years, we've slowly, as I said, a smile goes an awfully long way. Um, you can't thrash and bash and to, to educate people. You've got to engage with them. Um, and, and so I'm a bit of a novelty because I'm blonde haired and I'm female and I'm foreign. But they know very quickly that I know more about horses than they do <laughs> when I suddenly spot things with their horse and, and that. And, and then they start to follow us around the fair because they can't believe that we're giving the, the bits for free. 
in, in and try and we try and do a swap so that they, we take away that old bit. Um, and once they realize what we're doing and that we actually measure, I've got a bit fit device that measures the horse's mouth. And so I make a big theater about measuring the horse's mouth and we'll bring the bit fit out and we'll say, oh, it's four and three quarters. And then we'll rummage in the bag of bits and I'll pull out a few red herring bits, you know, and I'll say, no, that one's not right. And this one's not right. And I'll ask the owner a bit more. What do you do with your horse? Is it strong? Is it young? Is it, you know, what, what do you use it for? And then I'll select a bit um, and I'll say, this is the bit for you. And I'll measure it again and we'll try it. And then we untie their, their halters uh, and, and we tie the bit on with string and you see the horse relax. And then it's a nice shiny new bit and because uh, theirs are all rusty and everything. So, you know, they're then happy uh, that we've spent time, and usually by now there's a crowd of 200 people <laughs> wanting to know what we're doing. Um, and they're all going, oh yes, madam, oh yes, yes, that's very good. And the horse is happy. And so off we go to the next tent. Uh, and that is the best way to do it. And I, I know not to force it. If someone is reticent and if someone's backing off and, you know, is old and set in their ways, you, you can't force them. Uh, you go on to the next tent, to the younger generation. And now they're all on Facebook and they're seeing it and they're seeing what they should be doing. And they're learning and they're meeting me at the fairs. Oh, madam, I'll be at Pushka. Will, can we meet you on this day? And I'll say, all right, I'll see you at sunset point or something. And I'll be there with my bag and I'll ask them what horses have you got and how many and everything. And, you know, the younger generation are eager to learn. And that's the best way. It will take generations to stop that ego granddad attitude uh, because in India, uh, they, they respect their elders and that can be a wonderful thing, but it can also be detrimental when you don't question your elders. Why did you use it, that method? Why did you use that equipment? Uh, surely it's hurting the horse. Can't we do it a different way? They don't want to question their elders sometimes. So by having me or us, you know, my group of band of helpers and friends when we come on safari, um, and we're saying, oh, yeah, this is fine. You know, you can do this. And that suddenly can give them the outlet to, to then move forward with their horse education and their learning experience. Um, and and it's, it's, it's like putting a, a, a bucket under a dripping tap. You'd be surprised how quick that bucket will fill up. Um, and... You, you have to think of it in that way. You can't, Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't change centuries of thinking uh, just like that. And some Westerners on safari will come and they get quite frustrated by it. And they said, how do you have the patience and everything? And I said, 15 years is nothing in history terms to change their way of thinking and to educate and infiltrate uh, so that they do understand what, you know, that they'll get a better relationship with their horse if it's not in pain. So, so yeah, we, ha we have the bit donation scheme. We've also done DNA studies, um, found that they're related to the Akulteki and the Turkoman horses and the Caspian ponies. So there's deep, deep blood there and deep history. Uh, and I don't want to be arrogant enough to think that I can change it just like that. You, you have to test the water and you have to be led almost by them as well. 
um, as to how far you can push it. Um, but we are certainly making uh, huge developments with the uh, social media, obviously, has been fantastic. Um, it's opened up a world, uh, me to, and friends of Mawari and Horse India, to a world of people who previously, what, 30 years ago, would have taken us a lot longer to have found these people um, and to, to have educated in, in such a short, relatively short space of time. Uh, and, and as I say, it was just a simple, simple, very easy self-funding scheme. The only thing that grows are my muscles carrying 300 bits through customs. <laughs> I just wonder how you got them in and out of the country, to be fair. You literally just carry a box of bits through. Yeah, um, it's our luggage. Our lug you normally get about 30 kgs of luggage for a flight to India. So, well, my, my personal yep. luggage is usually only about 11 kgs. I'm pretty good now at packing. <laughs> and so um, the rest is spent in bits. And I think about 70 bits is usually about 23 kgs. So that's a rucksack full of bits. And so the more people who come on safari who get to meet me beforehand in Heathrow sometimes or before, I, I can give them another bag of bits if they don't mind. Um, uh, so we've got to be aware yeah, then. That if we... And I'm known as Sporty Madam because um, I've got all the data cleansing sheets for the Vercon S disinfectant and everything. And uh, I smile my way through. And if I have any problems at customs, I just mention the sacred words of 61st Cavalry, <laughs> which is the Indian horse cavalry. And they're like very impressed. And I say, oh, I say um, um, what was it? Uh, uh, Goddy Doctor, which is like horse doctor, uh, 61st Cavalry. And they go, oh, yes, madam. Love it. Great. So, uh, so if we come on, there's another of my you, specialities. <laughs> don't meet you beforehand because you're going to have to carry a bag of bits with you everywhere. Okay, I'll, I'll note that one. <laughs> Super. Well, thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating, and I know this is only a small part of of what you do and everything that's involved. Yeah. So, and, if uh, people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Uh, www.horseindia.com. So Horse India for the safaris. And if you want to find out more about the Bit Donation Scheme, then just type in Bit Donation Scheme and it'll come up Friends of Mawari because nobody can usually spell Mawari. Um, and if you would like to fundraise and help pay for the horses so that they're still there for when we are able to travel again and take you on lovely uh, galomping safaris across the desert, then uh, go fund me. Uh, and just say Caroline Maury, Horse India, go fund me and it will come up. Perfect. So that, that would be fantastic. And uh, all donations gratefully received. <laughs> Super. Well, I'll certainly be doing a donation because at some point I want to do one of these holidays. And that means there needs to be some horses for me to do it with. So exactly. that is how I'm going to put it. We've got to keep them for prosperity. So yeah. we've got to give them a job to do. Otherwise, there's no reason why anyone would breed them or keep them. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating. I cannot and thank wait. you for giving me the opportunity. You're so welcome. And I cannot wait until this becomes an opportunity again. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Oh. And Louise has said, can we do a fly and changes holiday, please? It sounds amazing. Yes, Louise, we absolutely. will. Absolutely. We, we, we can have a group. We can yeah. give you a good group rate and, and we can all come and, and just have fun. Because it's all it. about fun. Horses yeah. are fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Well, thank Brilliant. you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Take care. Take care. (laughs) And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this?